Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 280. 280. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy do. Hey, 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 who fans. Welcome back to the Big Blue Box podcast. Hope you're keeping well, keeping safe. Hope you've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor who, who related. Related. Uh, <laughs> 280. Like the, way, like the way you got the last, yeah, last bit in. Duh. Related. Duh. It reminds me of my son when he was younger. When he got the hump, he used to say stuff. When he was unhappy, if he's being told off, or me or my wife were annoying him, he used to say, "Dad, uh, <laughs> Mum," uh, like really emphasise the last sort of the last bit. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, welcome to two eighty. Hope you're all well. The weather hasn't improved here, bud. It's still grey, rainy, blah blah blah. It is. It is, isn't it? Sunny inside the TARDIS, though. All good. Yeah. As always. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, right, coming up in today's show, we have a little bit of news, a little bit of merch. One each, which is good. Not a tumbleweed week, which is good. And <laughs> then we're on to our review. We're back on the Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh, yes. The Nightmare Man. <laughs> <laughs> which I was really looking forward to for two reasons. One, we haven't been on Sarah Jane for a while, obviously. And number two... I'd heard that this was one of the one of the uh, the best episodes of SJA. Yeah, it's one that gets brought up a lot, isn't it? Mm. Nightmare Man. Yeah, yeah. But that was cool. Until then, how have you been, dude? How's your your last week been? You've been all good. Yeah, not too bad at all, uh, actually. Um, I've been mostly 
sorting out. So when I moved house, I, I had to put a load of stuff in storage at my sister's garage. And um, <laughs> she's been ever in, this is ages ago. She's like, when are you going to come and sort out all this stuff? I can't, literally can't get in her garage. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> it's not all mine. Some of it's my parents, but my dad got a skip finally. So um, on my couple of days off last week, I, was, I went over there and finally started going through it all. And uh, as yourself and anyone that knows me will know, I'm really bad at like throwing stuff away. <laughs> I just have a sentimental attachment to everything. Um, so it was difficult, but I did, I kind of started off really well, actually. I went in there and I was like, right, this can go, this can go. I was throwing away loads of rubbish. But then I started finding all the Doctor Who stuff. <laughs> I was just like, ah. Because I've got a lot of CDs in there. I mean, not .2, two, but most of the boxes were CDs. Thousands. I just can't believe how many CDs I've got. But then, yeah, I opened up a box, and it was all the old, it was all the old VHS Doctor Who's. Oh, cool. And, and I mean, yeah. I'm talking all of them, because I, I bought every single one back in the day. But obviously, being videos, they've got boxed up and, and put into storage. And I was like, so I've been throwing all these boxes out and stuff. I was like, well, I haven't got the toy anymore. No point came in the box. I was, I was doing really well. And I got to the box of videos. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? Because I'm, I mean, I'm talking boxes of the stuff. You remember, I mean, how many episodes of Doctor Who are there? So I was like, I can't bring myself to throw these away. Um, because the covers are just iconic. It was so nostalgic looking through all the old VHS Doctor Who's. Um, but on the other hand, I have got nowhere to put these. So, you know, and so I was like, I was in a quandary for ages. Like, well, maybe I'll just keep the covers and maybe the odd cassette. So I've got something with the old BBC logo on, but then I was looking through and the logo changes. I was like, okay, so I need to keep one of each of that. And I was like, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, so I'm still in a quandary about that. I just don't know what to do. Cause there's no way I'd throw the covers away. I would definitely keep all the covers, but do I keep all the old VHSs? I'm never going to watch them, obviously. I'm never going to use them. But, um, yeah, so they're still boxed, waiting for a decision. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then, so I put that to one side, moved on to the next box, opened it up, almost pristine. I had about nine or ten boxes of, uh, like, binders of Doctor Who magazine. Oh, and it's nice. all the old yeah. classic, all the old logo on it. And I was like, oh, no. Because, again, I've got nowhere to put all these magazines, nowhere. But they're all in really good condition. Oh, mate. And they're, all, <laughs> and they're quite nostalgic as well. They're all the old issues. There's the one where Tennant was announced and, you know, there's sort of all the classic Doctors. They were going right back to when, um, like, McCoy was on the cover. So I'm assuming it's from that era. There was a, one of, like, the, the Doctor and Ace as, as uh, spitting image puppets. And I remember loving that issue <laughs> when that came through because it was so different. Um, so again, I kind of slyly pushed that box to the side. It's like, I'll deal with that later. Um, next box, annual, annuals. It's like, oh no, annuals now. There weren't Doctor, I think, no, there was no Doctor Two. There was, there was two Blake Seven annuals. All my Doctor annuals I've got at home. So yeah, it was just, oh, it was difficult. I sort of suddenly hit a, a brick wall of like, I cannot get rid of this stuff, but I've actually got nowhere to put it. And obviously I'm trying to clear out so my sister can get back in her garage. <laughs> but it's, um, it's, it's hard, isn't it? hard to decide what to do yeah. with this stuff um i found some i sent you a picture didn't i I found some cracking star wars figures which i'd completely forgotten i'd had they're not even like the small ones they're, they're about well, i don't know how tall um they're big, they're big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big yeah. figures yeah 
Um, so that was a nice treat. Uh, so I did find some good stuff. The, oh, the, the other great thing I did find, because there was a lot of rubbish in there. So on, my, on, my, on the Geek's Handbag, I've got a Blue Peter badge. And people always say, oh, did you win that? And I say, I did. I honestly did win that. I didn't, you know, I haven't bought it off eBay on Ninja. I, on, I, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> fake. I have found, and this so nearly got thrown away, I've got my partner to thank for this. So there was a box of old receipts and lists, because I, I love making lists. And I think when I was at work, you know, back in the day, I used to write loads of lists of things I wanted to buy and stuff. So there's this box of that. And I sort of took a quick rummage through and said, oh, these receipts can be, you know, just burn all this, because... You know, don't need this stuff. And thankfully, he checked through and went, oh, there, well, there is, there's a letter here with BBC on it. I was like, what? And uh, it was the original letter from the Blue Peter saying, thank you for, you know, entering your picture. It was a picture of Mark Curry knocking the Lego man's head off I sent in. So, um, yeah, and it's got the BBC lettering at the top and everything and the Blue Peter thing. And I was like, Wow. That's probably the best thing I found in there, so <laughs> I brought that home. So I can now officially prove that that, be- that Blue Peter badge is mine. <laughs> that sounds like a frame job to me. Mate. Yeah, it's a really yeah. nice letter. Yeah, yeah, I'm so pleased. I mean, the end, the sort of sad side of that is that I remember that I did used to have a, a the same thing, so be, a letter from Colin Baker that he wrote me that had BBC at the top and a little TARDIS in the other corner, um, which I remember my mum saying, we'll put this somewhere safe. And we never, ever saw it again. Oh. <laughs> so it's really weird because this lettering just looks exactly the same. But instead of the TARDIS, it's got like the Blue Peter ship. But yes, that was, uh, that was a good find. So I've been mostly just sorting through that and just trying not to um, get rid of anything important, but also get rid of stuff. But mm. you can imagine the sort of things I was finding in there. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I haven't really done much Doctor Who related. I listened to a bit of the David Tennant podcast that we were talking about the other week. So I, I had a listen to the... Um, Jim Parsons one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping he'd dish a bit of dirt on the Big Bang. I was like, come on, Jim. <laughs> let's, let's, but he didn't really, did he? He gets very emotional about his dog at one point, which passed away. Um, but yeah, he, he sort of said they all got on pretty much and stuff. But then I listened to the George uh, Takai. How do you say his name? The Star Trek. George Sulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I listened to the, his one afterwards and he does dish the dirt. <laughs> he, he almost couldn't wait to mm-hmm. dish the dirt on uh, William Shatner. So that was um, quite a fun listen. Those two have never got on, have they? Not really. They've no. Like and the, yeah. I saw that Shatner um, immediately tweeted a, a tweet back saying, you know, George needs to, you know, adjust his memory or something. He needs to, you know, telling all these lies. And so they've they start, started that feud up again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, that's a great podcast. Tenant is such a, He's a natural, isn't he? He's so relaxed now as well. Like the yeah. first couple, he sounded quite nervous. He, he's so, you can almost just see him kicking back and it's just like a conversation, isn't it? More than an interview, he just chats away. So I enjoyed listening to those, but um, he's getting around, isn't he? Hmm. Helen? I mean, he's yeah. got the podcast. He's on, there's a new ITV drama he's in. Uh, is it this week or next week where he's playing a murderer? I think it's uh, based on a real life thing, isn't it? Um, he looks really creepy in that as well. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, just yeah. So, and obviously the Time Lord Victoria stuff is everywhere. Is that launched? Um, was that yesterday or the day before that launched? First day before yesterday. Uh, day before yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's all kicked off, and um, <laughs> I, I assumed that after they launched it, there'd be a bit more clarification of like the order we need to listen to it or read it or experience it. But I think people are even more confused, aren't they? Yeah. 
I don't think it clears anything at well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is it the comic that's come out? Um, what's, what's actually been released? I think it's the comic. It's the issue first one. issue one of the comic, I think, yeah. Yeah. You, so you haven't had a chance to read it yet? No, I haven't, no. No. It's a bit... I um, just... I just wondered, because I know you're a digital person, I thought you might have downloaded the digital, because I'm obviously waiting for the physical thing to get dispatched from FP, so I probably won't get to read that for about a month, <laughs> knowing how slow they could be at dispatching, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not sure when I'll be able to pick that. I mean, I, I think... Uh, oh, are you going to get the physical? I assumed you get the download. Uh, well, I think we, we spoke about this very briefly last week, the week before, mm. that... Um, for issue one, I'd probably pick oh, up a yeah, couple of the the, uh, yeah. the alternate covers and stuff. Yes, that's right. So yeah, I'm going to order those. Uh, I think FP have still got them um, up up for for sale, which is good. They do, yeah. But in terms of the the other issues moving forward, I probably won't get them digitally. I'll probably get them as a as a collected trade paperback. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll probably do that. Talking yeah. of FP, they've got an exclusive cover for this, like a white cover with a Dalek print on it. Mm. I thought, oh, that looks really nice. I'll get that until I saw the price. <laughs> and it's like it seven? 12 ni- oh. No, it's 12 Oh, okay. For a single issue. <laughs> I was thinking, is that like, you know, is it a special, you know, bigger issue or something? But no, it's just a standard issue with a different cover. I'm not paying that. <laughs> You're no like, are chance. you taking a mic, mate? Wow, come on, comic. Yeah, no, that'll be in the sale soon. I'll wait for that. Yeah. I'm not too. I'm not too bothered about it. I mean, it's a nice cover book. I'm not. Uh, I'm not twelve ninety nine bothered. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've just gone with a couple of the. I've ordered a couple of variants, of course. Um, I've gone with the Lee Binding one. Uh, you know, the, the main cover that they've been floating around. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And one, and one of the Dalek ones. Can't remember which thing is the gold Dalek, but yeah, yeah. Oh, it's got the big. Um, you know, like the remembrance. Big Dalek dome looking Dalek, you know, with Davros. That's the one, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one I've gone for. Ah, Reja, yeah. So, I'm waiting for that to plonk through the letterbox. Oh, that's issue number two. So, you've pre ordered number two, have you? Yep. I have, yes, yeah. Ah, so, okay. I ordered the Lee Binding one for issue one and that one for issue two. I like it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The exclusive event, yeah. Hmm. That's the one. Nice. Now, I'm quite looking forward to reading it just to see what's, what's, what it's all about, but uh, yeah. Hmm. I was I just that. looking at What's some of the Twitter about? comments yesterday, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a weird one the whole time, Lord Victorious, isn't it? Because uh, when we, when this was all first announced, I think we were we were kind of hoping for um, uh, like the whole Chris Eccleston stuff to be more mm-hmm. involved. Remember, we were going through the motions like, okay, we've had the books announced and nothing there. It looks like they might just reserve Eccleston for... Just a bit of comic material, but yeah, I'm not sure on that because it seems to be very David Tennant focused, very with a little bit of McGann thrown in. Yeah, um, so I'd almost forgotten he was in it actually. Yeah, That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, so yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see how this story uh, runs through um, with the other Doctors because yeah, I know Rose is uh, going to make an appearance in the comics. Yeah, so we'll see how that Who's... pans out, but. I'm looking forward to meeting Brian the Ude because they've they made a bit of a thing about him, haven't they, <laughs> Brian the Ude? So I'm looking. Don't know where he comes into it, but love an Ude. Yeah, I do yeah. love an Ude. <laughs> Bloody love a Ude. So that's been me. But what have you been up to? You're obviously not reading Time Victorious, but what, what have you been up to? Watching uh, any classics lately? Uh, no, mate. No, I've had, a, no? I've had a really quiet week this week. Um, I've had well, I've had the opportunity to watch some Who, but I just haven't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, normally I'll. Uh, 
I'll pick something off the shelf or have a look through BritBox. But I don't know. This week I just haven't haven't really gravitated towards any Who this week, other than Sarah Jane, of course. Obviously. Yeah. So a quiet one for me, dude. You know what we need? Go on. We need the next box set announced. That's what we need, so we can be have an excuse to watch. Well, not yeah. that we need an excuse, but yeah, we need we need to know. I mean, come on. Exactly. It's, yeah. near, it's nearly dare I say the c word. It's nearly Christmas. Mm. Where's the next set? I mean, don't get me wrong. I do like having money. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And everything, but it would be nice to have the the next set announced. It must be um, must be very difficult for those guys who are doing the restorations and all that stuff to do it through the whole COVID thing. Yeah, it must be difficult to get all that work done, I suppose. Yeah, I've seen a few little teases out there. I think, um, so Chris Chapman, who does a lot of documentary work, I think he, he's tweeted a few things saying the cogs have started turning again in terms of documentaries. And um, who was the other person I saw tweet? Was it Marquez or somebody? Somebody else who's involved in the restoration anyway said, oh, we've just done something exciting for an upcoming set. And so the cogs are turning again. Oh, they are. Which yeah. is great to hear. But obviously with... Uh, with all COVID, it's, it's all knocked everything for six. But uh, yeah, it'd be, be very exciting when we do get an announcement. So just hope it isn't too far off. Yeah. I saw on Lee Binding's Instagram last night or the night before, we put a story up there. And it's yeah, him and uh, his other half, they were watching some Doctor Who. And then I think the the strap line or the wording you put on there said watching some doctor who for research and somebody said what's that for and he said for an upcoming set plus a, plus some other bits so we obviously don't know what doctor who he was watching that would that would give the game away in a very big way so but yeah mm-hmm. like you said i think the cogs are, are slowly starting to turn again which is good yes definitely yeah yeah, yeah. okie dokie right before we get on to news and stuff Remember to subscribe to the show in whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast. You'll find us on all those things. Or head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. All the links are on there, plus all of our previous shows and whatnot, plus all of our cool reviews and articles from our writing team get stuck into all of that stuff. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Again, links are on the website. Uh, Come and give us a like and a follow over there. And we have a free Discord server. Uh, come and hang out and chat Doctor Who. All of that stuff on the socials and Discord throughout the week in between shows. And check out my co-host's channel over on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, featuring a lovely blue Peter badge. <laughs> Indeedy. Yeah, yeah, which is not fake. He has the letter to prove it. It is not fake. I've got the letter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Righto. Let's land the old uh, let's land the old girl and do a bit of news. All right. Doctor Who has been added to the BBC's online multiplayer game Nightfall, which looks pretty good. So there's a an online multiplayer space which has been uh, up and running for a little while now, which I hadn't heard of before, which actually looks very cool, called mm-hmm. Nightfall, which is run by the BBC. And essentially what it is, it's a free-to-play online game, and it gives players uh, essentially the the gist of the game is players they have um they create a character that exists in their dreams and they get to create and play as that character and your character is called a nightfaller within the game nightfall obviously and the um the objective of the game when you're playing is to 
team up with other nightfallers and uh and defend the realm of uh the dreams from other nightmares um made up of worries from the waking world so it's a bit of like an educational um kind of thing going on with it but they've added a bb uh, a bbc they've added a doctor who section to the game so within within the game it's a big old sort of online multiplayer world there's um something called rem zones which i assume is linked to rem sleep so in rem zone 2 this has now been transformed into the world of doctor who uh, where you have to defend it from the daleks and some other uh, naughty characters from doctor who so you have to keep those at bay and you'll be able to take on the character you'll be able to pick out out outfits and style your nightfaller as jodie whittaker's doctor uh, and face off against the cybermen and the daleks blah 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 Uh, once you've outlocked once you've unlocked these outfits you'll be able to keep them in the game forever because the doctor who rem 2 zone stuff is going to end at the end of the month so on the 29th of september they'll stop the doctor who thing but if you've unlocked those outfits you get to keep them to play in the game afterwards so you can grab the game on mobile stuff. You can get it on iOS, Android, and Amazon devices, or you can play online through the website, which is pretty cool. And the um, the executive editor for BBC Children says, Nightfall puts collaboration before competition, and this new Doctor Who zone is an exciting addition, transporting children inside the world of Doctor Who to unite and take on the Daleks together. It's especially important now for kids to connect when they're apart from friends and classmates and Nightfall is bringing them together in an online dream world to help defeat nightmares. Sounds pretty good, bud. I I checked out the website this morning. It does look uh, Mm. like the actual Nightfall game website. It looks pretty cool. I love the art style. It's got a very, very cool um, design to it. So yeah, if online multiplayer stuff is your thing, then uh, give it a go. It's completely free. There's no... Uh, microtransactions, no loot boxes, no ads, nothing like that. It's completely free from the Beeb. So it sounds pretty good. It does. I agree with you about the art style. I really like that as well. It's, um, I don't really know how to describe it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's simplistic, but I really do like that style. I mean, I, I'm not a gamer, as anyone who listens to the show knows, so I'm not really aware of Nightfall or whatever it is. But um, yeah, it does look really good. So I'm quite intrigued by it. Yeah. Yes, indeedy. Um, yeah, so that's Nightfall. It's the online so online co-op, defeat nightmares, combine forces, light up the darkness and work as a team to protect the dream from the nightmares and become a legend, increase your strength and upgrade and customise your Nightfaller, which is where the Doctor Who outfits come in and all that stuff. So we'll stick a link to this in the show notes. Go and check it out if you want to. And uh, yeah, yeah, go and check it out. So that's all we've got for news. I guess we should get old Grumpy and see what he's got. Yeah, go on, wheel a bit. Oh, didn't say, oh I don't want to make him even worse. Oh, here we go. Oh, no. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know that to be impressed or disgusted. If I work in a shop now, it help. He's lost a ball. <laughs> well, he's getting on a bit. There's a gap where one of those balls should be. Maybe we should get him a new dome, like that big time of Victoria's Dalek. Get him one of those big bulbous 
headpieces. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although would he would he struggle to carry the merch tray if we got in that? Possibly. Um, yeah. yeah. See what he says. Oh, he's, yeah. He's gone. He, he hasn't even said a word to that. Yeah, I think he's on the hunt. I think one of his balls has fallen out when he's been doing. I don't know. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. It does, mate. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Go and find it. There you go. Right. The only thing he's dropped for us today are a couple of t-shirts from Forbidden Planet. Well, I do love a t-shirt. Of course. Yeah. The overpriced. (laughs) (laughs) The overpriced Doctor Who official t-shirts from Forbidden Planet. There's two more. So Forbidden Planet launched a couple of uh, Time Lord Victorious ones a little while ago, which are going to land on the 16th of September. And they feature the Lee Binding official artwork. Um, But they've just announced two new ones which I think are Lee Binding as well. They're just a slightly different Looks like image. It, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, so the, the first one, like I said, was the whole Time Lord Victorious picture, which had um, uh, Tennant McGann and Eccleston in that whole blue, red and pinky uh, thing with all the Daleks and stuff. This one has just got Tennant on the front and it's got the Time Lord Victorious logo, etc., etc. It's fifteen ninety nine as the other ones. And you can pre-order and these drop on the 9th of October. It's Forbidden Planet, so you'll probably get it on the 9th of November. <laughs> so we'll stick a link to the show notes for that stuff. But any of these tempting you, mate, your wallet? Yeah, yeah. actually, I did. Um, so I was putting together an FP order the other day. I was uh, pre-ordering some of the Eagle Moss stuff. And um, because they charge for postage every time you order, I always try and do like a bulk order. So I, was, you know, I ordered what I wanted and then thought, right, what else have they got that I might want to add to this order while I'm at it? Because that, that is one thing I do like about FP is if you want to cancel anything at any point, you can. So quite often I'll pre-order stuff or put it in the wish list, and you know, then if I need need to, I can just cancel it easy enough, which is good. Um, but yeah, I pre-ordered the the like the original what I call the original Lee Binding cover. Oh, so it's Tenon with McGann and Eccleston in the background. I pre-ordered that too because I just really like that uh, artwork. But well, you're not struck on that. Not really, mate, because uh, I'm, I'm very hit and miss with the old FP T-shirts, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Sometimes when they get a decent design, they can look really nice. They can look very cool. So like they've done about, some really cool ones in the past. Um, uh, and they've done the Brian the Ude T-shirts as well. Yeah. They look kind of cool. But the design for that is very nice and stuff. But what they've done with these ones is... Yeah, like you said, they've just taken the artwork and just pasted it on the front, and that's yeah. it. I mean, you can do that for sort of three pounds. Order your own, you know, design and print your own T-shirt. So for these ones that they've just taken the artwork and slapped it on, still charge sixteen quid. I'm not really, I'm not really for that. Yeah, but the prices are a bit steep, aren't they? They certainly are for that. Yeah, but when they've got like a unique design that's been made specifically for their T-shirt runs, those typically look very good and they're worth the money. But uh, yeah, skipping these ones, dude, for sure. Yeah, nothing grabbing you on there. I was going to say, I do like the fact that FP have set up a, a whole page of Time of Victoria, so you can just literally click on that and see everything they've got, um, which is what I was trying to do. And ironically, I think they've... Re- it's, the page is probably still on there, but the link to it was on the front of their store, and I now can't find it. So um, maybe I need to click on the... TLV link, but yeah, no, I did have a look the other day. I mean, they're doing loads, aren't they? They're doing mugs and they're doing um, like card holders and just about everything. They're really sort of hammering 
uh, as yeah. much as they can out of Time of Victorious. Obviously, you've got the comic variants. I quite like the Brian the U t-shirt. Yeah, that's cool, that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what you mean, isn't it? It's a bit, that one's more like fits the actual tee rather than just having the pictures mm-hmm. slapped on the front. I might get that at some point, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just having a look through. Not, yeah, nothing else really grabbed me. Yeah, the Brian the U t shirt is limited edition, though. So that's one seventeen ninety nine. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, a couple of quid more for that one. Is that a um, print to order one, maybe? So, a lot of the ones they do, don't they? they do. Oh, no, it's glow in the dark. That's why. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, see, I'm not really sure. When they start doing glow in the dark in 3D, I don't know why. I'm not really struck on that type of thing i, I just want a t-shirt i oh, don't Richard. need it yeah. to, i don't need it to be glowing in the dark yeah you just want um, to keep it old school mate simple yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a shame. yeah see i'm all up for this stuff dude i really am but i don't know i think fp really need to look at their stock and their ranges because you just know like because alongside the t-shirts like you said they've got all this other stuff so you've got travel pass holders you've got coasters and mugs and key rings you just know that's going to stay on the shelf in those forbidden planet stores for the next five to six years and at some point you'll pick them up for like a pound they'll put them in a big old bucket <laughs> by the door and stuff you know so i, I just really i really wish that just fp would just focus more of that stuff and put it into better i'd rather have a smaller lineup of stuff from them that's like quality merch rather than just you know, the kitchen sink approach where they just print all of this stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's, do you know what I'm I trying think, to say? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're trying to say. I'm going to say, on the whole time of Victorious thing, though, are you, how into this are you? Because I'm sort of, I'm looking forward to getting that first comic, but I don't feel I'm, I'm as excited about it as I should be. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into it. I'm on the edge, sort of, I'm, cu- yeah, I'm curious, I'm standing inside waiting to sort of get into it, but I don't feel i'm not like biting at the tooth to get it um but yeah i just wonder what you think because i know you're a big tenant fan so i just wonder where your excitement levels are on this one Ooh, um, right now now that we're now that it's all starting to come out what are you what are you looking forward to or are you not are you not too bothered um, you're not going to be sat there in your time lord victorious t-shirt with your time lord victorious mug reading your time lord victorious comic Oh, don't get me wrong, dude. I think <laughs> you just need a cap. Just need a cap, yeah. cap to finish it. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think the the whole concept is great. I love this kind of multimedia overlapping. Yeah. You know, okay, stuff. Yeah. it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like the the story behind it is is not original enough to. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like. Let let me ask you again after you've read the first comic. Let's 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 get into the first comic and see how where we are after yeah. that. Let's you, see if it draws us in. Yeah. Do you know what it is? I think I'll be I think I'll be excited once we get the once I've listened to the first big finish story. Right. Okay. Which yeah, is out yeah. in November. I think once once that's come out and because don't get it wrong, the comics will be great, but you know you can't really flesh out an entire multi you know that whole universe and story just with a comic or a couple of comics. So I think that those comics will be a great stepping stone into the big finish audios and the books. I think those two things will be like the the key stuff to to really getting into the story. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm not too losing my mind over it just yet. But I think once big finish 
come with their with their stories that yeah probably will be after that oh, i hear you yeah, yeah. What about you um yeah I'm, I'm pretty the same i'm just uh as i said i just i'm looking forward to getting the comic and and reading that and kicking this thing off but um yeah i don't know i need something else to draw me in at the moment to be honest and uh yeah it could be big finish that does that um but yeah i'm just a little bit on the edge at the minute i'll read you yeah yeah okie dokie well that's all the merch we've got that's it that's it if t-shirts are your thing mm. go and check them out we'll link it in the show notes right review time bud what we got yeah so yeah we're on to series four of sarah jane now and it is the nightmare man One more little nightmare from you, and I'll be in your world. You tell us if there was something wrong, yeah? There was this... I can't say it. You're really scared, aren't you? You can't say my name. You can't tell anyone about me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so scared. Bye, Ronnie! Let me out! Very creepy. That sound, that laugh sounded like salacious crumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> creepy one, this one. Very creepy, yeah. Yes. Very creepy. So, as usual, a two-parter story for all the Sarah Jane adventures. The first one went out on the 11th of October 2010, and the second one went out a couple of days later on the 12th of October 2010. Wow. 2010? 10 years old, this. Crikey Moses, yeah. And it was written by Joseph Lidster, directed by Joss Agnew, uh, overseen by Gary Russell and stars the usual Attic crew and uh, a couple of um, couple of uh, recognisable supporting cast members. And uh, yeah, for some reason, I thought this was season uh, season. Crikey. I thought this was series three still. Last week, when we saw when we were talking about what's coming up, I was like, "Is this still series three? And you were like, "I don't know. I think so. Might be. I'm not sure." But how are we on series four already? It's funny you say that because I did exactly the same thing. I actually, to the extent that I went, come upstairs to get the DVD, got back downstairs to the the player, went to put the disc in, and was like looking for Nightmare Man on the back. I was like, "Where is it then?" And I was like, "Oh, hang on. We must have moved on to series four. So yeah, I went back upstairs to grab series four. I, I too thought this was series three. And I think it's because I remember saying um, that the final of series three was good, but didn't feel like a finale. Uh, I can't That's remember right. what the story was. The so gift. yeah, but yeah. I did exactly the same thing. I thought we were still on three. So yeah, a little bit of me, I felt a little twinge of a little bit of cosmic angst of, oh no, we're, we're getting near the end already. I'm like, because oh, I, I just don't want the Sarah Jane adventure just to end. I'm just loving it. So Yes, we have moved into series four. Yeah, indeedy. So we've got, <sighs> after this one, we've only got eight stories left of no, all of Sarah Jane. can't be true. But the, the only good thing about that is that um, I will quite happily go back and watch these all again mm. from the start because um, yeah, same. this has been a great journey. Yeah, it's really been, especially as neither of us have seen hardly any of it before. Um, yeah, I'd gl- gladly go back and watch some of these. Indeed. Yeah. Well, all, yes. all of these, yeah. Right, the the synopsis just for this story is Luke faces life-changing events and Bannerman Road will never be the same again. 
So when Sarah's son has his first nightmare, he's haunted by a dark figure from his dreams, the Nightmare Man. A strange entity is reaching out to our world through Luke with terrible consequences for the whole human race. With Luke, Clyde and Rani trapped in a bizarre dreamscape, Sarah must fight alone. As the Nightmare Man grows stronger, only K-9 might hold the key. But can Luke (laughs) summon the courage to face his adult life before the whole world is trapped in an endless nightmare? So what do you reckon, dude? So before you crack on, like we said earlier, this is often touted as like one of the best Sarah Jane stories. Whenever you're talking about Sarah Jane and stuff like that, you know, inevitably people say, oh, have you seen The Nightmare Man? That's one of the one of the best ones. So does this live up to the the expectations that you had or didn't have going into it? Yeah, I mean, that's the danger with that, isn't it? That everyone raves about a story, so it's hard not to go into it with um, high expectations. But I did try not to. I just thought, well, you know, let, let's see. Let's see what the fuss is about. Um, it is good. I thought it was a, a cracking start to Series 4. Um, as usual, it delivers a very emotional punch at the end with <laughs> Luke leaving. I was like, oh, why, do, why am I always in bits at the end of Sarah Jane? Um, and the thing was, because we've had a, a break from watching Sarah Jane because we've been doing Key to Time and stuff, um, we said last week it would be great to catch up with these guys because they we've grown so fond of them as characters. You know, and it is like it is like reunited, seeing old friends after such a long time. So it was like, yeah, you know, here, here they are. Here's the, here's the gang and stuff. And then obviously we get Luke leaving at the end, which I had no idea that was happening. Although I, I felt it almost straight away from the story, but I didn't know he left at this point. Um, and that really, that coupled with the fact that we haven't seen him for so long and, and everything, I was just like, oh no, this is tearing me to bits now. This is this is sad that. The kids are growing up fast in front of our very eyes. And it might sound crazy, but it does feel like we know them, doesn't it? It's mm. like I love checking in with the Sarah Jane gang and seeing what they're up to and what adventure they're on this time. And it was so good to get back into to, to this series. Um, but I thought it was good. I, it is dark and creepy. Uh, it's definitely one of the more adult ones that we've watched from Sarah Jane. Um but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought, thought it was a very good start to Series 4. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it does get hyped up. I, I don't know. It's not – there's nothing outstandingly amazing about it, but it is just a very good watch, um, a well-written story, uh, a good concept. It's just a great watch. So I can see why people like it so much. Indeedy. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm pretty much the same with that, mate. It's – um. I did have a little bit of uh, forcing myself to drop previous uh, thoughts around it because I hadn't seen it before after I watched it last night. Uh, before I watched it, I hadn't seen... Um, uh, I've obviously heard of it, like I said, and spoken to people about it and after people saying it was so good. Um, I think when we very first started doing the Sarah Jane Adventures, a few of our reviewers had said, oh, you're in for such a treat. Later yeah. on, you've got things like the episode where the doctor turns up and then the nightmare man, you've got all those really amazing stories to look forward to. So I, I tried to force that out of my head when I, when I started watching, it. I was like, right, I don't want to be going in with uh, huge expectations about this being an amazing story. And I, I feel like I didn't really need to, to be honest with you, because it is exactly that. It's a very, very good, creepy, emotional story, which is what Sarah Jane does so well. Those, mm. uh, the, the, 
the writing and the the characters just lend themselves so well to this kind of uh, I don't know this kind of not really a formula but this kind of thing where they're up against it like a lot of stories you feel like they really are up against it um and it's their um in it differs a little bit from the doctor when we're watching doctor who and the doctor's up against it very uh well it's normally a case of the doctor has a a plan or something in his pocket trick up his sleeve whereas yeah. in this one it's not always down to sarah jane to save the day it's more like they have to work together and this is very much what they try to get across in this story i i, I feel it's very much a there isn't one hero like the Doctor is in Doctor Who, although he obviously has help from his companions in, in that show. This one is very much a regular thing about they have to stick together. It's their friendship and their bond that kind of uh, that helps them defeat all these, these nasty nasties. So yeah. from, a, from a story perspective, uh, it's great. And in terms of kicking off Series 4, they, they've done this before, haven't they, in Sarah Jane, where at the start of series two, uh, what's her face was in it just for that one first story. Was it Maria? Oh, Maria. Yeah. 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 So she was in it for that first, I think it's series two. And then they bugger off to America. That's right. And now we have the same thing with Luke where he's in it for this first story. And I believe I'm not sure, but when I was researching this last night, um, uh, I came across, uh, this, you know, little facts, you know, thing on the wiki where it said, uh, the second time that one of the main cast members have left after a series opener and uh but he does make some cameos i i the did, yeah i yeah. felt like we hadn't seen the last of him i thought well, yeah. that can't be the last we see of luke mm. so interesting that they've got rid of luke not entirely but they've got rid of him for this series in the same way they did for maria but they haven't replaced him with anyone else so when maria left she was replaced by rani in a sort of simplistic way um, but we haven't had a replacement for Luke, so I, I assume for the rest of the series it's going to be Clyde, Rani, and, and Sarah Jane. Because K9's gone as well. K9's gone off with Luke oh, yeah. to uh, to university. So K9's gone as well. So it's just going to be there. It's like a bit of a stripped down, you know, it's a bit like Sarah Jane's, uh, Liz Sladen's like, I can't be doing with all this. <laughs> you know, Russell, we're going to have to get rid of a couple. I feel like Davis in here. So they're <laughs> off. So they've trimmed down the crew a little bit. So. That was an interesting thing, wasn't it, mate? It, was, it felt like it was just Sarah Jane, the good old days. You know, Series 4's rocking and rolling, but at the end of it, like you said, a bit of an emotional punch. Yeah. And those guys are off. Yeah, I must admit, I, I wasn't, um, I was quite surprised when K9 left. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting that, because I thought, uh, you know, you could see sort of that Luke was obviously leaving pretty early on in the story. Um, but yeah, when she when she said to K9, I'm not talking about him, I'm talking about you. I'm going to miss you. And I'm like, what? No, not K9. Because um, he was just get, he's only just come back into it. Isn't he? He's been stuck in that cupboard for most of series <laughs> one and two or whatever. He, and then he suddenly come back. Um, and he gets quite a good part in this, doesn't he? He gets quite, quite a few bits to do, uh, K9. Um, so yeah, I was sad to see K9 go as well. But it's, you're right. It's, it's a story about friendship, this really, isn't it? So you take away the sort of nightmare man part of the story and it's um it's all really about the what great friends uh luke and clyde and rani have become and the fact that that friendship eventually overpowers evil and all that sort of thing then i i think that works quite well in terms of having a good send-off for luke um because he's an interesting character luke because he was sort of made by the bane and 
you know, I like this whole concept that he can't have nightmares and yet he is having them. So that's mm. interesting. But uh, I think we've said before, um, he's a good character, but he does often get a little bit sort of not left behind, but he's quite often the one you forget about. Like Clyde's, Clyde and Rani seem to be always more into the action, whereas Luke very often gets captured or something happens to him. So in a way, I'm not saying he's like the spare wheel because there is much more to his character than that, and I like the character of Luke, but it will be interesting to see how the series goes on, you know, just having the dynamic of Sarah Jane with Clive and Rani, presuming they don't bring in someone else. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think they do, but, um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see how that, that dynamic works or continues. Cause I mean this, I don't mean this in a callous way, but I don't know that I'm going to necessarily miss Luke because in the stories he's been in, um, although he's been good, he's not been the highlight of many episodes for me. And nothing down to his performance is just the way the stories have been, if you know what I mean. Yes. He's, he's yeah. a good character, but I think whenever we've sort of, if anyone was to shine in a particular episode, apart from Sarah Jane, for me, it's quite often Clyde. Uh, mm. You know, he's the, one, the sort of one that stands out, I think, out of the three. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I will miss him. Don't get me wrong. I do like Luke, uh, but I don't know. I think it's a bit like Adric. He's... He's moved on. Am I going to miss him? Oh, yeah, a little bit, but I think it will be fine without him. You know, if that makes sense. We'll see. Yeah, I read you. And I think that's, um, I don't think they, a lot of people may assume that they they wrote Luke's character out for various reasons and whatever, but uh, it just came down to Tommy Knight. He was just really busy with his, um, with like college and uni stuff really what it was i mean we we speak about uh luke's character in previous stories as being very like you said not so much a third wheel but in some stories he's been sidelined a little bit and we haven't really mm. seen him too much and stuff like that like you said he just gets captured and stuff like that so throughout the first three series of sarah jane there were times where tommy knight had said look i'm really just stacked with schoolwork or college work whatever i literally haven't got time <laughs> So mm. they had to kind of reduce his um, his his recording time just a wee bit. But when he got to series four, he was like, "Look, I can't, man. I've got like, I have to sort of get my sort of life so you know get my life sorted. Acting's got to come as a wee bit of a second to that right now. Mm. So that's why he was off. They didn't write him out because of any you know bad reviews about his character or anything like that. It was just Tommy Knight's personal life." was just taken center stage, which is rightly so at that point in his life, I suppose. Um, but it is an interesting thing to have to deal with in series four, because like you said, up to this point, he's always been a mainstay. Um, however, we've, however we viewed his character in previous stories, like, yeah, he's a bit of a wet lettuce at times. And, you know, he's yeah. not quite as, he's, he's not quite as strong on screen in terms of his presence as somebody like, you know, the, um, uh, like Daniel Anthony, uh, you know, those kind of, that Clyde, big personality sort of thing. He's not really been as big as that. So will we miss him going forward in Series 4? I'm not sure. Uh, I'd like to think so, because he has been a good character thus far. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, don't, yeah, I perhaps didn't put my point across quite right. Yeah, we will definitely miss him. Um, but I think, I suppose a better way for me to put it is that I think it's a good time for him to move on in terms of I think they've done some interesting things with his character but this 
because of the sort of relationship with Clyde and Rani and the friendship they built, this had a really good emotional punch uh, at the end of this episode when he did leave. So we will miss him in that sense. It's, uh, you know, the the original team or whatever. Well, no, Rani's not original, but, you know, those, those guys, Clyde in particular, they built this friendship up over the three series. So it, was, it, it does have a real emotional punch, him leaving now, if you see what I mean. So we will definitely miss him, but I think... It'll, the show will be just as good without him. It, you know, I think these guys, especially if it, if it had been Clyde leaving, I think there would have been a bigger hole left because he does have the bigger personality. He does sort of bring a bit more to the stories, I think, in terms of the character, really. Nothing to do with Tommy Knight or the way he plays it. He's he's great, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's, yeah, there's a there's a hole there, but it's, um, I think it was the right time. I think it's a good, a good thing. It, it definitely, uh, it just brings home how close those guys have have come really yeah. as friends you know the friendship yes yeah and there were there were plans for for luke's character to come back in series five and series six all oh, right there were plans for him so the 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 one that came to light um which if you've i've not watched it myself but um there's a uh there's uh on one of the audio commentaries on the dvd for um death of the doctor uh, Russell uh, T. Davis does go on to say that uh, they were sadly taken off air, but if they had have come back and had have continued with it, then Luke would have come back and one of his main sort of character changes or updates, I suppose, would have been the fact that he was gay. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, I so, remember reading that. Yeah. yeah, so that would have been a thing, if you if, if you like. That would have been a, an element to his character and stuff because we, we got to see that he... he we, he did reveal that and allude to it very slightly. Remember the the webcasting that they were doing for yes, uh, when the whole lockdown thing sort of kicked in and they were doing these webcast webisode things, and there was one called Farewell Sarah Jane. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Which has really got nice. everybody bloody crying their <laughs> eyes out. Pieces, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Tommy Knight did. Uh, so his friend um, uh, Sanjay, his friend. Sanjay, he alludes to that in that webcast, that webcast that you know they're a couple and so on. But yeah, it's interesting, really, because Russell says um, that he hadn't revealed to any of the writers that this was the case. But apparently, the BBC went to him directly and said, "We want to have a gay character in children's BBC." Oh right, okay. and uh, do you think this is something you could do in the Sarah Jane Adventures? And um, uh, he obviously had that conversation and said, "Yeah, we could probably." do something with that and um so yeah he didn't tell any of the writers because of Liz Sladen's passing sadly and the show just got taken off and stuff like that but yeah apparently Luke was going to come back after his university travels and and all that stuff and he would have been another he just would have come back as another regular main cast member just with this different outlook uh different sort of part of him I suppose with this sort of homosexual uh element to his character and stuff but it would have been cool to see that though it would have been great to have seen um, you know, a, a a a gay character within you know a a more sort of younger audience focused um, show because it definitely just it, it would have provided that immediate sort of um, interest to his character outside of just being this kind of alien that's been created in a lab, you know, because that's yeah. that's his kind that's his thing, isn't it? As 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 the character, he's not just a normal teenager; he's mm. a um. And I know this story in particular does focus on his kind of journey 
into early adulthood, I suppose. Um, but in terms of just being a teenager, um, that's kind of that stuff's kind of reserved in a way for Clyde and Rani and Maria. They're kind of like your typical, um, you know, teenagers, I suppose. Messy rooms, untidy school uniforms, um, you know, yeah. boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, all that kind of thing. So it would have been great to have that element to his character, you know, being gay and stuff. So it's a shame, really. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been. I, I think that's the thing. When I say the other two have been stronger, I think it, a lot of the time maybe the writers are not too sure what to do with Luke because he is supposed to be sort of not have much emotion and he's that sort of alien type, you know. He's a bit more alien than the other two, isn't he, in terms of his personality. He's still learning things. Like Series 1, I think they played up to it because he was getting to know what humans do and stuff like, oh, that's a joke and all that. Remember all that stuff early on? But at this point, he's sort of become, he acts much more sort of human. And um, and so I think it's difficult then to know what to do with the character. So that would have been interesting because then there would have been a, a big development and he would have grown up, you know, and come back. And that would have been lovely to a sin, actually. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. And I, um, there was a, a bit that they were going to allude to that, weren't they, in the end of this episode. So there was a tiny bit of script that was cut out Um which uh, if you go on Wikipedia, you can see it. So Sarah Jane, when, I guess this is the scene when they're leaving at the end in the car or whatever. She says, um, Sarah Jane says, have a lovely time at university. You'll grow up. You'll find a girlfriend. Uh, Luke says, well, oh, could be a boyfriend. Uh, Sarah Jane smiles and says, well, as long as it's not Slovene, I don't care. Uh, and I think that's a lovely line. And I really wish they'd left that in. That's I really nice, think yeah. it's a shame they cut that. And I wonder why they did. But maybe Russell just hadn't decided if he wanted to go down that route with the character at that point. But I, I think that's a lovely bit of dialogue that I, I really do wish I'd kept that in. Yeah. And it's a very, it's a very kind of soft introduction to his sexuality as well, isn't it? It's yeah, not yeah, like exactly. a frying pan in the face. Like he, <laughs> he rocks up at Bannerman road hand in hand with a, another, another guy and yeah, you know, all the parents are covering their kids eyes and, mm you know, reaching for the remote. So it's not like that in your face, big out the closet reveal, is it? It's just a very nice, um, uh, <laughs> I say that in jest, you know, in a way, you know, yeah, depending no, on your parents' exactly outlook, you, mean, yeah. you know, and stuff. But um, yeah, it's just a really nice sort of soft introduction, I would say. And just leaves people thinking like, oh, is he gay then? Is he not? That's kind of cool, you know? Um, yeah, yes, I really yeah. wish they'd left it. I really do. I think it was just a nice little bit of dialogue, but they cut it. Uh, you mentioned Maria earlier. She does get, it's a blink and you'll miss it, but she, um, she gets a little nod in this. There's a bit where Luke's uh, emailing her, isn't he? So I'm trying yeah, to think is, now yeah. if it was in a dream or if he was, no, he is really doing it, isn't he? Yeah. But then he, then he drifts into the dream. So once again, a nice little nod to Maria. She's not forgotten. And <laughs> that must've been lovely for the, the actor because she probably thought, you know, Oh, I left years ago. They, they probably don't even remember my character. And, She's had a couple of little nods. They often mention her and it keeps that continuity flow, which is which we've mentioned is so great in Sarah Jane. They they always have these little l- nuggets thrown in just um, to keep all the continuity going in the show. I, I just thought that was lovely. Totally, you know, you wouldn't know if it was there or not, but great, great yeah. little moment yeah, uh, to really see cool, Maria on screen. Yeah, that's a really cool scene, that is, because uh, it, it, you can really see his struggle that, he can't like when he's talking to himself, he can obviously mention the character, the nightmare man and stuff. But when he's trying to communicate with other people, whether it's face to face or on this email, he can't actually physically sell, tell anyone. It's kind of got this 
lock in his head that he can't he can't get it out and uh yeah so it is you're right it's a blink and you miss it's, he's composing an email to maria isn't he and he gets yeah. to the to the final sentence and he can't his finger can't it's hovering over the n character on the keyboard and he can't press it and that's the build up isn't it that's the scene the scene where we really start to ramp up him getting closer to being locked in that nightmare world mm. uh, which is a really cool scene but so that that's another cool uh scene with him really because i know we're talking about this character a lot at the moment but in a way it's great that they gave him so much to do in this story because as a as a kind of send-off episode for luke and for k9 both of them get a fairly decent fairly decent amount of stuff to do which is great because the last thing you'd want is for this to be like a clyde focused story or something like that and then at the end it's just oh luke's goth by the way (laughs) yeah yeah see you later so it it's really cool that and he does he does fairly go for it in this uh tommy no i I, I think it's a great send-off for him really yeah really uh, him and k9 i think it really is a good a great story for him to leave on um yeah, no, so it's a brilliant send off. Yeah, yeah, he goes, and yeah, Tommy Knight, um, in terms of his performance, really good. Um, you can tell, I think he's probably thinking, this is it, you know, my last story. I've, you know, he puts a lot of heart into it. Um, they, they feel like, because just the inclusion of Maria in this, for example, this whole production, they feel like a proper family. I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about the cast, I mean, just the whole behind the scenes production, they seem to, really care don't they about the show they include everyone i mean just the fact that they've included maria in this just shows that you know they haven't forgotten about her um it's all all the way through this series we've seen little nods to previous characters previous um adventures you know they bring in little um nuggets from so everything that's in sarah jane's attic oh well let's we had that in episode you know series two let's bring that rock back or whatever and they just you know, it, it feels like there is such a great family continuity throughout this whole series, which I just love. You know, the things that they drop in and even stuff like from Doctor Who and possibly even Torchwood, I can't remember. There's been loads of little Easter eggs just thrown in left, right and centre throughout um, the three series that we've watched so far. You know, it just beautifully blended in, like you said, so subtly at times as well. Um, it's just a beautiful production in terms of you know that sort of feel that they've really got to grips with what they're producing here it's not just uh yeah yeah this is a spin-off that's something to do with doctor who it's you know it feels so much part of that universe um you know i think that's one of the reasons that i love it so much and just just like checking in with the big old doctor <laughs> who family isn't it it's just lovely it is mate it's got a lovely yeah. glow to it, isn't it a lovely glow to this series absolutely yeah it, you yeah. know a lot of them have that feel and mm. really that's just that just shows the quality of the storytelling and the writing for this show overall. I mean, right from series one, I would say it's um, as we've gone through each episode and sorry, each story and in each series, it, with, there's always been that feel that everybody working on the show is just in the zone with it. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. hardly ever do you, I mean, I, it's, it's difficult to compare to Doctor Who because they're two very, I say very different. They're, in terms of the narrative of the characters and stuff that can, and also the whole time travel aspect with Doctor Who, obviously uh, that can get very, you know, you, you wonder, you, you often find endless discussions with Who fans about plot holes and 
you know, continuity errors and loads of stuff, all that. But with Sarah Jane, you very rarely, very rarely can pick holes in like character progression, uh, things like you said that you would have seen back in series one or two that you now see here. It all looks the same. It's all referenced the same. It's Mm. all spoken about in the same light. And all those little things like when Clyde is talking to, um, is he talking to the Slitheen? Not the it's Actually, yeah, we'll come on to that. That is a in a, in the grand scheme of irony and Sod's law. I do have to pick out one sort of error, but um, I think Clyde's talking to it's either the Nightmare Man or the Slitheen. But he's saying about I know I don't want to go. You know, I've seen Earth from space and all that lot. That's obviously a throwback to the Warriors of Kudlak when they're up on the spaceship and Clyde's looking out at the Earth and everything. All yeah. those, all those little nuggets and stuff, all link perfectly throughout the entire story covered across all the series and really that's that's got to be down to the all the writers and the producers and stuff they just seem to have right from the get-go just seem to have created this thing that just worked it all just works you know it doesn't matter what episode you pick from what series everything is linked together perfectly everything is relatable to all the other characters even like you said as a as a if you had never seen Sarah Jane before, and this was your first story, you wouldn't care who Luke's emailing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you it wouldn't, wouldn't matter. Exactly. It's just yeah. you know someone he knows called Maria, and it's like you said, it's on screen for like three seconds. It doesn't matter. But for a long time viewer, you've watched it from episode one, series one. That's a lovely little thing. Yeah, but, you're like, oh, it's Maria. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can imagine if they did something like that on Doctor Who you'd then have like three years worth of discussion. Like, well, the doctor couldn't have emailed that person on that date because when he went through the vortex and the time streams at this time and due to this happening in the time war and this doctor and now this timeless child stuff, it all doesn't, you know, it just yeah. it just descends into bloody madness. Whereas <laughs> on the Sarah Jane adventures, it's all just, it's all just perfect. I think that's why it's so good. The quality across everything is just awesome. Yeah, and it's, I was saying earlier about how, I'll quite happily go back and watch this right from the beginning again and absolutely love it because the progression, it's so subtle, but the way, if you think how well it's done so far in this three series, the progression in the characters and the story and the fact that they're so naive to space travel and then, you know, gradually they get to experience all this stuff and, you know, at this point they're quite confident and they know how to defeat aliens and stuff. But it's done so, the progression is so subtle and, and well done that it just flows. But it's almost like seamless, you know, it just works so well, which is why I'm really looking forward to watching these again. When we do finally get to the end of Series 5, and I think that's going to be, I'm almost dreading getting to Series 5 because we know it was incomplete and uh, I don't quite know what we're in for when we get to Series 5. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be emotional. Um, I don't know how they wrap it up uh, at all, but. Um, but yeah, once we do finish those five, I am really looking forward to going back and, and you, again, I think you'll notice it'll be very re- rewarding because I think you'll notice things rewatching mm-hmm. it, it again. You'll say, Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. I'm inspired that they, Luke did that. Oh, I know that coming up, he's going to do this. And you know, it is, it feels almost like, I think that's why it feels like a family because it almost feels real in the sense that you start off with these characters and you just see them grow throughout the whole series. So you do actually feel like, you know, these these people i think yeah so when i said it was like checking in with an old family earlier on that's that's kind of what i mean we've just grown to 
to know them and love them throughout this series because of that progression, I think. Uh, you mentioned the Slovene earlier. What did Was there something? Because that threw me, because <laughs> everyone raves about this story. The first sort of thing we see, well, in the first five minutes is a Slovene. And I thought, no, oh, no, I don't want to see them again. We've seen, we've seen enough of them. <laughs> so I was a little bit thrown by that. It's just a tiny little cameo, though, thankfully, for pretty much is just there for a comic introduction to the story. But what was you going to say about it? A little bit, yeah. So uh, I think where the error lies is um, uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's it's a Slovene. So oh. Slovene is the family name, isn't it? Yeah. From the the family that are on Raxacora Fallopatorius. That's yes. the family name. So I don't think this is a Slovene. I think this is a Raxacora Fallopatorian. So it's uh, uh, they they label it as a Slovene in the thing just because it's potentially just easier for the younger audience. This is aimed at to remember what that character was. Oh, I see. Um, so, yeah, so I don't think it's, well, I could be wrong, but I don't think this is a member of the Slovene family. This is just a species from that planet. I'm not going to say it again. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I can't. I've never been able to say it. Yeah, but there's, yeah. A, there's a few different touches as well. Like they've changed the design very slightly as well, because it's, I assume, for the reason of it's not a, a member of the Slovene family, but... It, the the green color. I'm not sure if you could see this, mate, but the green Probably color not. was a quite a bit darker than the other uh, species we've seen previously, and uh, longer fingernails. Um, but there was a slight. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing. Really, it was a slight. I mean, remember what I said a few minutes ago about everything being pretty much perfect on this show. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, like the fingernails. They changed in each scene. Some scenes they were brown. Other scenes they were green. I would not have been able to tell because I'm colorblind. Yeah, it's weird. Um, oh, okay. That's, that is weird. Yeah. Other than that, it's, oh, it could have been, well, lighting? I don't know the reason. Yeah, lighting maybe. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, so the fingernails change color in a couple of different scenes from brown to green, which is weird. But just the overall look and color of this Raxacorica phallopatorian is a, lot, a, a few shades darker in green. It's not that light green color that the Slovene normally are. However... It was cool to see them being gunged in that oh. good old-fashioned, you know, Saturday morning kids TV show, going live, gungy sort of way. I felt sorry for the cast. <laughs> I was thinking, I bet they had one take because I bet they couldn't gunge them, keep gunging them. You know, I bet they were like, look, we've we got to get this right on one take because we can only gunge you like this once. Otherwise, you're going to have to have a shower. You're going to have to get changed. You're going to have to wash your clothes. <laughs> it must have been a one-take thing. Um, and my, they do properly get gunged as well. Not just a little bit. They are covered uh, in, that, in that stuff. It's mm. gross. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that comical start to the episode threw me a little bit because... Uh, you know, people rave about the story and they're like, oh, it's really dark and creepy. And then you get this very light, <laughs> almost comical beginning where they're gunged and it could quite easily be from series one, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, so you go from that and I thought, okay. And then you go from that to what is actually turns out to be a very creepy story. It's a bit like Sarah Jane meets uh, Stephen King's It, isn't it? It's mm. a sort of a mix of the two. It's a very creepy um, once the Nightmare Man comes into it. So, yeah, but that's good. I like that. But it did throw me off, off centre at the beginning. I was like, what's going on? Why is Slovene in this or, or the Raxacora 
pal of a tourist, whatever you call him. But yeah, so that that was a bit of a um, doppelganger beginning, I think. Yeah. Yeah, not doppelganger. It was a bit of a, a red, the word. Yeah, it's red um, herring. Yeah, it kind of lulls you into a false. Oh, this isn't too bad. This is sort of light and fluffy. People getting yeah. gunged and because they don't seem too bothered either. I mean, you can tell that they're miffed about being gunged with like the innards of a Raxacorico, blah blah blah. Yeah, but it's in a comical kind of way. They're not like kicking off, going mad. They've just got that look on their face, like, oh god, this isn't going to come out in one shower kind no, of look on their it, face but it looks proper gross yeah uh okay so in terms of the actual vibe of the story and the creepiness <coughs> of it i've got to be honest mate there are a couple of couple of scenes that were pretty bloody scary yeah they get the line they i for me they get the line just right for for this type of mm. family show but it it's very close to the edge at places yes for, were... for, a, for in brackets children's program yeah. yeah there was a couple of scenes before we even see the nightmare man properly there was a few scenes in episode one where you don't see his body or anything you just see this kind of white face very mm-hmm. quickly it's like almost and i'll tell you why that's scary is because that was one of the things that uh it, it's been used as a couple of a couple of times in horror films uh most notably in the exorcist there's a, a couple of scenes there where there's just a white demon face that appears very quickly. It's like one frame, um, but it's it's almost meant to act like a subliminal message. Like your That's brain, right, yeah. your brain records it, but you can't visually remember the exact details. You just remember seeing this sort of creepy looking face and they do the same thing here. Just not quite as, uh, not quite as scary. Obviously I'm not saying this is as scary as the exorcist. I'm just saying they, they implore that they employ the same, kind of method where that you see the nightmare man's face just very quickly um in a couple of scenes just just his white face with this creepy look on his face and dude that was pretty that was pretty scary man because i was like oh god if they're yeah. going if they're going down this road of these kind of tactics that get people scared it's yeah and so and then there was a couple of scenes where uh just i just i think the way that Julian Bleach, the way he moves as well, not just mm. the makeup they had on his face and stuff, but there's a scene where the hand, yeah, and also where Clyde and Rani are asleep on the sofas, and oh, he's yeah. he's come into the real world at this point. Luke's gone into his his kind of last nightmare that he said he would go into, and he's kind of creeping around. All you see is his leg and his foot come out first, you know, and he's creeping around, and yeah, it's for the most part. Julian Bleach plays it very well. He's got this very otherworldly movement about him. It's very creepy. And uh, there are a couple of times where he's a little bit, I guess for the sake of the younger audience, he doesn't want to be too threatening and too too scary, I suppose. He's a little bit comical. It's a, like you said, it's a kind of like he's, it's like a mix of Pennywise the Clown from It and um, just like a standard villain that you would see in, in Sarah Jane. It's... um. There are a few scenes, like, you know, towards the end where uh, they all meet up in the same nightmare, the same place, you know, in the corridor. They've come out of their individual nightmares. Yeah. And then he comes in as well, doesn't he? Because he's freaking out. They're like, oh, they're together. They can't be together. So he goes in back into the nightmare uh, world. When he's in that bit, he's not quite as scary because I think of the direction. They, they've just filmed everybody from top to toe and you can see them and stuff. And he just looks like any other character. but. Previously in the story, whenever they've 
he's been on uh on in the scene he's just got this i don't know if they use like a slightly different camera angle for him or whatever uh, coupled with the music as well it just yeah there's a quite a few scenes where he's very creepy and i, I would yeah. i was imagining like younger kids being pretty freaked out by that yeah i was gonna say i was i was if i was looking at this through um you know younger eyes i think i would be, i mean i was quite creeped out by it um but as i said i think they always manage to just get the line right uh in this they don't go too scary with it so i think you would be scared but it's a bit like that thing when you are a kid it's that it's not taking it too far it's just enough to be scared that but you almost feel like you enjoy it <laughs> so you like to be scared by it because there's a safety net around sarah jane that even though if, if you were young and you were scared by this you know Sarah Jane's there. She's gonna, you know, or Luke's there, or whoever character you you like. You know, you there is this safety net with Sarah Jane that you know that it's gonna be okay. Um, I think, and they never go beyond that. You know, they they put them in danger, they put them in peril, but you know it's gonna be all right. Um, and that's okay for a kids show. It's you know this little family show, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, it's fine to have that safety net. You know, when you're going into sort of Torchwood or even Doctor to extent, you you want to sort of that net needs to be smaller. You want to have a bit of element of danger, but we're dealing with a family kids show here. So you've got to have that. And I think they get the, the balance just right. Um, I thought Julian Bleach was good. Um, he's sort of across between the Joker and Pennywise, isn't he? He's got this sort of clown face. He, he's de- you know, the look of him is very simple, but it's good. I like the red uh, carnation or whatever it is he's got works well. That, I think that reminded me of the red balloon with Pennywise. I think that's mm-hmm. why I yeah. thought of that. He is good. It took me a while to get used to the accent because he does this weird sort of, I don't know, what would you call it? Mine's of like uh, a sort of, mime, not mime-ize because the mime would be silent, wouldn't it? But I don't know, he does this sort of weird performance and it, it took me a couple of minutes to get into it. I, I think it works overall. Um, but I do know what you're saying. It, it's, there are moments where it's, I think it's better when it's sort of snapshots of him on screen rather than when he's on screen for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I read you. But he's good. I mean, I just kept thinking, oh, that's Davros, because uh, you know he played Davros in you know the the modern series, didn't he, or mm. New Who, whatever you want to call it. Since the show came back, he's he's always played Davros, and he is superb as Davros. He gives a real subtle performance. I love love his version of Davros, but yeah, this one he's getting to be a little bit more, like you said, traditional villain, if you like. Um, but yeah. it works. It's it's good. It's creepy enough. It definitely, if I was a kid, I'd be frightened of him. Uh, he would definitely, be. Yeah. he's definitely creepy. Yeah. So I think he is good. Yeah. Yeah, and he he does those. Um, I I assume this is down to the combination of himself and and the director Joss Agnew, but mm. they kind of come up with this um, this way of him being creepy, but not too scary. Like you said, the line is there. Um, but he does this kind of weird grin as well. Like a lot of the times when he's talking, he's got this big, huge grin while he's being quite threatening and stuff. And that just makes it worse because, you know, it's like everything's a joke. Everything's funny. But like the, it's, it's like the Joker from Batman, you know, the Joker, yeah. from, you know, he's always cracking up laughing and stuff, but he's doing it while he's murdering somebody or he's, you know, he's being quite, you know, quite nasty. So it's that kind of vibe, isn't it? It's that, uh, He's got this big, like, row of teeth, you know, big old classic evil villain smile. But it's also the way he talks as well. Like, like you said, he's got this weird high pitched laugh and cackle sometimes. And yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very well 
done for the audience. Like you said, I think there is a they are they do come up to the line a few times, but they don't cross it. There's, I wouldn't have thought there would have been any parents complaining to the BBC that their kids have no. now got you know nightmares for days on end. But yeah, it is a little bit. Yeah, and Julian Bleach, he does play it very well, very well. And I his think dad that's Ross why is this. Great, yeah. Oh, he's great, his dad Ross. I was going to say, I think that's why this appeals to kids and adults, isn't it? It's because they do find that fine line between appealing to. But it's just, I mean, if we're sort of finding it creepy as well as the kids, then they've they've got it just right, haven't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, I was going to say, oh yeah, the dream sequences. I mean, they they're kept very simple as well, aren't they? Because um, quite often, if you go into a nightmare dream in TV shows, they really sort of maybe again this comes back to them not wanting to make it too scary, but they, you know, for Luke, it's just a blank room and then he's in this sort of a darkened school corridor and it's all very simple. And I think that works very well in this. I, I really liked it when he figured out he'd be able to break into the other dreams and bring them together. I thought that was a great idea because I didn't see that coming. And it's, it seems quite obvious actually when he does it, you think, Oh, of course, but that, that worked very well. I thought, and the newsreader lady was very good. Who is the, I've recognised her as well. Have I ever seen her before? Oh, because um, she's really creepy. Yeah, uh, Sarah McKin, uh, Mac, Sarah Mackichan, Mackichan, Mackichan. She's a newsreader. Um, she was. Uh, I mean, she's not in it that much, but she gives a great performance. She's very stern, and she just the look. She does a lot of um, what I would call facial scaring rather than actually the yeah. delivery of dialogue she's just got a very creepy look about her and i i thought she was great in the sequences with um rani uh but where have i seen her before i'm sure she's been in other stuff she's been in loads of things yeah yeah um, how do you say her bloody name um sure yeah how do you say that dune is it no that's the dune. character isn't it i think the character um uh, uh sorry no her name yeah, is dune uh McKin- i think Dune McEachin, yeah, but she plays Lewis Marlowe, the newsreader. Um, but she has been in loads of things, dude. Um, I yeah, think she yeah. might have been in Who before. See, that's what I'm thinking. I'm sure I recognise her from, from Doctor Who or something like that. Uh, yeah. But she was great. I, 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 again, that was a, an interesting concept. When Again, we were saying earlier, this is like 10 years old. When she breaks out of the television and she's fighting with Ronnie for the TV, I thought, that looks pretty good for like, you know a show with limited budget and you know, the, the whole effect was very well done. I thought when she was pulling the Rani through the TV and everything, yeah, uh, yeah. as was the opening CGI shot of the moon and the earth. I was thinking this is, this is quality like CGI for, for the time. Uh, still looks great. You know, 10 years on. Yeah. No, it looks really good actually. Mm. And uh, yeah. So those, those nightmare sequences. It was really creepy actually when you can tell that Rani was sleeping, but then yeah. when she tries to turn her off or turn her down, you know, it's horrible when the character in the TV show starts to reference you directly. Oh, it's yeah. It's yeah. Creepy, it's a great yeah. idea. I'll tell you what I loved as well was, um, when they finally defeat, uh, nightmare man and he's trapped in that room with the old lady, Sarah Jane, <laughs> just the way you, uh, Liz Sladen plays that of just the sort of glee of, Ah, you're trapped with me now. And I thought that was just such a fun yeah. way to, to end to end the episode of him like being trapped with her, you know, because she <laughs> probably would drive him crackers. Yeah. Um but that was fun, wasn't it? To see to see Liz Slade playing that slightly odd old woman version mm-hmm. of Sarah Jane in a 
one of those sort of um, what do you call it? Mobile mobility scooter. Oh, things. the mobility scooter thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was, but yeah, what a fun way to end the episode <laughs> of him getting trapped with her. With her was yeah. 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 So I I found between the two, so with um. Rani's nightmare. I thought that one was quite creepy, quite scary. Yeah. I didn't find Clyde's one that scary though, because essentially I think it played on their kind of future fears, if you like. So Rani wants to be a journalist and this character, uh, Louise Marlowe from the BBC news office, it looks like has dragged her in and said, look, if you want to be a journalist, you can have to let go of your feelings for people and stuff. Cause they're going to expose Sarah Jane Smith on live on the show on that. That's the thing. Yeah. Ronnie doesn't want to do it. So you can see there's a, there's a thing there, but with Clyde, uh, he just ends up working at like a fast food place. Doesn't he? And yeah, it was, it was a bit odd, isn't it? Now you mention it. It's not yeah. like the worst nightmare. Whereas I thought the, when Luke first starts having him and he's overhearing Sarah Jane saying, Oh, I'll be glad when he's gone. And I was thinking, God, she's playing that so well. And, um, I didn't find it funny, but it, it sort of was funny as well, just because she was being so harsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to, to, to deliver the line so realistically like that, you felt really sorry for Luke, uh, even though you knew it was a dream. But yeah, Clyde's one, odd, isn't it? It's not, yeah. not the worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can kind of see what they were going with. So he was, yeah. when he saw that old Sarah Jane in the, mm-hmm. in the diner thing he was working at, he was kind of more confused rather than scared. So he was like, well, I was good at me art, wasn't I? And all that lot. And because she's basically saying that this is what you've amounted to. You're nothing sort of thing. Yeah. And he's like, I was good at my art, wasn't I? And all that lot. And he doesn't really seem scared like Rani and Luke are. He's more just sort of, oh, what am I doing here? Sort of thing. So he, for me, the character of Clyde, who's normally really good. uh, And he was good. Don't get me wrong. Um, Daniel Anthony, he was was good as, as usual. I just found the character, he just didn't. It didn't feel like he bought into the whole being scared of either the nightmare man or his own nightmare. Whereas um, Rani and Luke, they they did. It felt like they were genuinely scared of what they were doing and where they were. But yeah, maybe, that's a good point. No, yeah. that's a good point. I, I hadn't thought about it much at the time, but yeah, that, that is a good point actually. Yeah, he, his nightmare was quite tame. Yes, yeah. <laughs> compared to to the others, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, Mr. Smith and K9 get some fun scenes Aww. in this, don't they? A little bit of bants between those two. See, I think I'm going to miss that. I'm, I'm kind of sad K9's uh, gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he could have it could have been easily overused, I suppose. Um, but it's a good bants between him and Mr. Smith. I do think they've got to get rid of the Mr. Smith fanfare, though, because there are moments when it works. It's fine if it's a quiet scene and... Mr. Smith, we need you. And he does his fanfare and he opens up. But there's a bit in this when all the action's kicking off and you've got all the music. is all action music, action music. And then she says, Mr. Smith, quick, we need you. And I'm thinking, you've already got the action music playing. We don't need Mr. Smith's fanfare on top of that. Just just open Mr. Smith. You don't have to be like, in the middle of this action thing, taking five minutes to open when we need you now. It's like <laughs> there's a time and a place for that fanfare music. And um, it didn't need it in that end scene when everything's kicking off um, yeah. because it was like, played on top of the instrumental music. It was too much. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. And I was going to say, it cracks me up that he has to do that every time he opens. Yeah. I was going to say, um, Sam Watts, who, who's been the, the sort of lead composer on Sarah Jane. Yeah. He came up with 
some really good music in this one as well. Mm-hmm. There was um, the whole sort of lullaby thing mixed in with some music was really creepy. But there were some really nice pieces of music as well. There's a bit early on where um, Luke is, is, I think Rani's gone off to school and uh, Luke's kind of a bit upset because he's not part of the school crew anymore. They're sort of doing their own thing without him. And then there's obviously the bit at the end where he's driving off to university. It's some really nice, really nice pieces of music there. And that scene yeah. that you're talking about where Sarah Jane's just watched the the home recording of Luke talking about the Nightmare Man and she's like into sort of springs into action to try and save him. There's some really cool music that's building up in the background and he gets interrupted by the fanfare from Mr. Yeah, Smith. that's it's the bit of, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of they play it over the top, but not quite. It's like all sort of munged into one thing. So yeah, it does work as a bit of a comedic moment in those scenes where you want him to be that sort of, you know, the big supercomputer that's buried in the wall. That's, you know, it still has that good appeal, but when stuff's kicking off, it's like, yeah, just open the bloody thing. Just Yeah, it's like, we haven't got time for that, Mr. Smith. Just get out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, yeah. yeah, it does make me laugh. Actually, I just while I remember it, you know the, the end scene uh, you just mentioned, um, when they're driving off in the car saying goodbye to Luke and everything. Is that the yellow beetle that um, Mick is in in Rose, or am I... Thinking oh, of, I don't think I, so. I wanted to check the reg number. I'm just wondering if any of our listeners know because as soon as I saw that that beetle, and it is yellow, isn't it? Because obviously yep. my color blindness, it is it is the same color as the one in Rose, is it? I think yeah, yeah, it's yellow. Yeah, I think yeah. So. I just wondered if it was the same car. Just as a bit of trivia. Oh, Normally, was... Wiki would be on this, like you know, and it doesn't say anything on Wiki, so maybe it's not. But. I just wondered. It's not the same, no. Oh, it's not the same. Oh, okay. No, I'm looking at two different images of it online. So, um, yeah, Mickey's one, the reg is RLF77IR. And Luke's one is JTB329K. Oh, okay. And there's a slightly different headlamp configuration and stuff like that. So it would have been a lovely little touch, but... Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're different cars. Same colour though. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, at least I got the colour right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And obviously, Luke has got the roof rack for all of his luggage. All of his yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, talking of, uh, just quickly, K nine and and Mister Smith. Uh, lovely mm. scene. You know when K 9s ready to to go off with Luke to uni. Yeah. Um. Because normally, uh, Mister Smith just calls him the dog, doesn't he? Dog, the dog. Uh, and he's like, goodbye, K9. He like uses his name fully. And then K9's like, your company has been adequate. Adequate. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then I think Mr. Smith says something else after that. Uh, I, will, I will miss you or something like I will miss your company or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's a lovely little bit, isn't it? And it's, uh, and it's really nice because they didn't have to do that. You know, the, the, the emotional buildup towards that end part of the story was around Sarah Jane and Luke and the others, really. They didn't yeah. have to do the little bants between the the uh, the electronic folk. So it was nice. It was a nice little little send off for K nine that Luke that Mr. Smith acknowledges him as like what he is and not just some, you know, uh the classic old tin dog, I suppose. Yeah, no, lovely scene. And I I think they handled the um Clyde and and Luke, you know, friendship during this sort of uh, time really well as well. So the whole thing of Clyde not really wanted to acknowledge in that Luke was leaving I think is quite real as well because Clyde being Clyde is just trying to 
you know, oh, I'm a, you know, he's like the lad in the, oh, well, he's off. Yeah, I don't care. When, of course, he does. And yeah. I thought that was great the way they dealt with that. And they gave him the surprise party, which, of course, turns into um, Luke having a nightmare, which was a good scene as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the end scene between those two, you really feel, um, oh, clearly, this, these guys are friends in real life. You can just see that. It just oozes through the screen. Um, so I imagine it was quite emotional for real when they were filming these scenes. But, uh, that's a lovely moment when Luke and Clyde say, you know, goodbye at the end. And, and Rani, of course, Rani as well. But yeah, because Luke was sort of there first, there's a, there's a bit more between those two, I think. But lovely yes. end scene that. Um, while I mentioned the Rani, actually, one thing I did put on my notes. The Rani? Hold on. Not the Rani. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, not the Rani. Um, <laughs> it always froze me that they called her that. Um, she, I thought she was great in this. She, she, to me, really looks after them. She's sort of mm. always in the background making sure that Luke and Clyde are okay uh, without them really knowing it. So, you know, she's the one who says to Clyde, you know, pull yourself together. Your best mate's leaving. Come <laughs> on. You don't, you can drop that macho act. You know, you just, just go and see him and all this stuff. Yeah, I just yeah. love, you know, again, a fully formed character. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I just, I just really like those guys. I mean, I think Rani... Clyde and Luke, they're just such a great bond and friendship between those guys. I think you can tell on and off screen, they're just, just great together. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like we said, it'd be interesting to see how the series progresses now without Luke, because it will be down to yeah. just uh, Sarah Jane, um, uh, Clyde and, and Rani. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I imagine that because the, the, the writers they have on the show are so good, it will be great. You know, it will still be great sarah jane watching and stuff but mm. yeah yeah maybe it might be a bit weird for the first well the next couple of stories because uh yeah luke sometimes does provide that he's almost like especially in the early days he was the opposite to clyde wasn't he whereas luke was very reserved and quiet and a bit of a boffin quote unquote mm. and you know all that sort of thing clyde was more like like you said a bit of a lad always joking around so when you had both of them together, you could play them off of each other and you could have that that dynamic and that banter and stuff like that, whereas Clyde won't have anybody now to do that with. Not quite the same thing doing that with Rani than it is with Luke. So um, Yeah, yeah. and it'd be interesting to see how they write it with Sarah Jane, won't it? Because she now, whereas Clyde and that can go back to their families and Rani can go back to her mum and dad, Clyde, uh, Sarah Jane has only got Mr. Smith, who yeah, spent true. most of his yeah. time in the wall. So she's going to be, she's gone back to how she was at series one on her own, basically. So it'd be interesting to see if they dwell on that much or or not in the next couple of episodes. I think we'll see a little bit of it, I'm sure. Um, she's not just going to be like, Luke, Luke who? Uh, so, you know, they're, they're bound to sort of show moments when she's on her own. But yeah, it'll be a different dynamic, I think. Um, looking forward to seeing the next story to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yes. And... Uh talking to cast members let's finish off then with um uh, elizabeth slader and then as uh, sarah jane so not quite a, a heavy role uh, for this one that we've seen in previous stories this was obviously more around luke and, mm. and and the other two but um when we did see her i mean she wasn't it obviously a lot but she she wasn't like the um she wasn't driving the story from her character's perspective and she wasn't the one that was saving the day but yeah. she obviously was there quite a bit she um yeah, Liz Sladen still, still absolutely just owning the part as always. 
I felt. Absolutely. I, I don't think, I, I, I doubt there'll ever come a day when we'll actually find anything bad to say about Liz Layden. I just can't ever see that happening, but who knows? But yeah, she's wonderful in it. I did notice that she does, she, you know, considering this is kicking off series four, she it is a little bit light on Sarah Jane. Mm. Uh, I must admit, I did notice that, that she's not in it as much um, as I was expecting. But then again, uh, because it's Luke's sort of send off story, I think that's why it's, you know, this is a, a Luke focused story. So, um, yeah, she's obviously great when she is in it. But I did, I did notice she's not in it as much as perhaps normal. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. She's still great, though. Still great. She's her. amazing. Yeah, I love her. Yes. <laughs> Uh, right. Okay. Uh, I don't have anything else on my notes, dude. Have you got anything else you want to bring up? No, I haven't. No, no I've covered all my notes. Yeah. You all. Right. Okay. Scores time. Who scores scores on the first? doors. It's you. Me, first. is it? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with an eight out of 10. I thought it was a really mm. fun, creepy story with a good emotional punch, uh, yeah, which cool. is exactly what I expected to get for Sarah Jane. So I, I loved it, but it's an eight out of 10. Okay. I'm going to go with an 8.5. Okay. For me. Yeah, I thought this was a really cool. I could see myself watching this one plenty more times. Yeah. Uh, again, it's uh, it's got one of those really cool. It's got that kind of uh, world of Doctor Who meets Stephen King meets mm. you know Stranger Things. It, it's got that kind of nice, uh, like in those type of stories, you generally have like a, a menacing threat usually sort of supernatural but then you have this kind of bond between the kids that kind of wins in the end because of their strength together it's got that really nice kind of uh feeling to it and uh really creepy you know many listeners will know i love like scary creepy doctor who or sarah jane so and this one definitely is a bit creepy so yeah yeah i really enjoyed this one 8.5 for me so what did our listeners think we had a couple of audio clips in before we get to the socials first up is mr joe turner an episode in which centers around Luke a lot, Nightmare Man forces Tommy Knight to carry the story. Yes, at times you have a place he emotions slightly, but the majority of the time he's good, especially when him and Sarah Jane are in scenes by themselves. I love the fact that we get lots of references to the Doctor, and part one was great, as throughout we were leading up to the reveal of the Nightmare Man, wanted to know how Luke is responsible for the end of the world. The Nightmare Man was very scary in part one, as we only got very short scenes with him, where he kept popping out of nowhere, but in part two, I found his threat level to decrease slightly when we saw more of him because he was being more comedic than scary. Also, part two, though, had some really good moments and I liked how it played on the fears of Clyde and Rani and Luke. Finally, K-9 and Mr. Smith had some real funny dialogue, in particular when Mr. Smith offers to keep in touch with K-9, which I find very, very sweet when he goes off with Luke to uni. And lastly, the musical score was just brilliant and so moving. And I think some of it was used in Farewell Sarah Jane from a few months ago, but it just provides you with so much warmth and that melody is just beautiful. Anyway, all in all, I give this episode a 7 out of 10. Thanks, guys, and have a great week. 7. 7, yeah, nice music. I, I agree. The music was lovely in this, yeah. Yeah, it was. Very, very cool. When it's not being overplayed or underplayed by the fanfare. Well, the fan, but yeah, Mr. Smith's blimmin' fanfare. Indeedy, yeah. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate that. Seven, was it a 7.5 from Joe? Seven, I think. Seven, okay. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, next up, this is Mr. Matt Steele. Hello, Gary and Adam. Matt Steele here again. Hope you guys are well, having a good week. So this week, The Nightmare Man. The opening scene sets the episode off with a really chilling note. 
When I saw the Slitheen at the start of the episode, I have to admit I was a little disappointed, as it seems to be their go-to villain. Luckily, that was the only bad point I have. The time-lapse effect works really well. I wonder if the Nightmare Man was the idea behind the two immortals doing exactly the same thing in Can You Hear Me from Series 12. The nightmares are intensely creepy. I can't believe this was shown on CBBC. Julian Bleach portrays the Nightmare Man with such a brilliantly creepy air. I never would have guessed that he was Davros as well. Everybody shines in this story, but especially Luke and K9. It's a real shame that this is their last proper story. The music in this story is fantastic, not overpowering, but it really helps to bring the creepy horror-esque vibes. This is a really, really good story and a great opener to our last full series of Sarah Jane. I'm going to give this one a 9 out of 10. Cheers, guys. Have a good week. Wowzers. Cheers, Matt. Yeah, he's got... Can you hear me? Yeah, there was a bit of a... can see a bit of a similarity there, actually. Yeah. Now I think yeah. about it. Yeah, that's a good point, mate. Yeah, cheers, Whenever Matt. Matt sends in a review, I just have visions of him just surrounded by Lego bricks, just <laughs> just <laughs> waiting to put them all together. Yeah, true, yeah. So a 9 from Matt. Thank you very much, Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was it for the audio reviews. Over on the socials, on Twitter, uh, our writer Jordan Shortman says it's a good creepy episode, which finally gives Luke a time to shine. The Nightmare Man is suitably creepy, and I like that it doesn't do normal feats, but is about emotional fears of getting old and being alone. I remember Luke and K9 leaving being quite sad too. Yes, it is sad, Jordan. Uh, and lastly, Sarah Louise, the running Hoovian says yet another fabulous story very engaging the nightmare man was incredibly cre- creepy and i thought tommy knight did a great job in playing a scared and lost luke particularly as the character doesn't usually display emotion also loving the digs and bands between K9 and mr smith another yeah. nine out of ten. Nine, yeah, excellent indeedy and over on facebook uh, dean jones says a cracking start to series four the nightmare man is a great villain genuinely creepy the cast are brilliant as ever and easily Luke's best story to date, a 9 out of 10. Yeah. Harry Walker says, Been several months since I've commented. Hope you guys are well. Uh, one of the best episodes this, genuinely very creepy and showcases everything about the show I love, although The Nightmare Man does remind me a little bit of Tigger. Uh, and then he says, <laughs> screw it, 10 out of 10. A 10 out of 10. Nice 10, one. Yeah. Nice one, Harry. And then lastly, Joseph Howarth says this is possibly one of the best episodes for season four. It's one of the many reasons why this show is so good. It's dark, creepy. It's a brilliant way to wrap up Luke's character and has a fun villain in the form of the Nightmare Man. Uh, The Nightmare Man himself is basically what would happen if the Joker from Batman were to fuse with Freddy Krueger. And saying that aloud just makes the concept of Freddy Krueger even worse because knowing Joker, he would probably make things even worse in the dream world. Very true. Mm. Uh, Anyway, I had a lot of fun with this episode and I'll give it a 9 out of 10. Brilliant. 9 out of 10, very much. Uh, Thank you very much, guys, over on Twitter and Facebook. So that's it for the listener reviews. Thank you so much, as always, for sending those in. Next week, what have we got, bud? Oh, yeah, so next week uh, we're going to have a bit of third Doctor action. And we're going to be reviewing Terror of the Autons. Okay, a little bit of third dot back to the um, the very early seventies, I believe. Autons. Seventies, yeah, I think it must be, must, must be, yeah, it must 70s. be seventies, yeah. Yeah, so a bit of Doctor and Joe Grant action. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mean that in a <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> steady, steady on, yeah. Um, and from what I remember, a massive. Supporting cast as well for that one. I haven't seen it in a while. No, I haven't seen this for a while, actually. Mm. No, uh, Daff- I remember Big Daffodils. 
uh, yep. Killer Daffodils. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very much looking forward to rewatching this one. Yeah, see what it's like. I, it's been a while. Yeah, that's been yeah. Okay, so that's next week. But until then, I think we'll wrap there, dude. For two hundred and eighty. All righty. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us for another week and listening to the show. It's been great to have you all aboard for episode 280. Next week, as Adam said, we are venturing back to the third Doctor's era for Terror of the Autons. Uh, this must be a this must be a, a Benton. There must Benton must be in this one, surely. Oh, I would think so. Yeah, it must be old uh, old John Levine. Yeah. The Lavinatron must be in it. Uh, so get your DVDs out or your Britbox fired up. Get that watch because we'll be asking for your reviews as always. Until then, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, you can link off to the various podcast apps and networks if you want to subscribe on those. And if you do, that would be awesome. We'd love to have you as a, as a subscriber on there. And if you listen to something like apple Podcasts or whatever it is that you can leave a review uh, if you've got a minute to do that that'd be awesome because that helps us out loads and loads so i appreciate those of you that have left reviews thus far uh, we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook uh, just do a search for us or again there's links on the website uh, give us a like and a follow because we chat plenty of doctor who during the week and we have a free discord server too link is on the website for that come and hang out and chat doctor who um throughout the week uh, also check out all of the reviews and articles and stuff from our writing team again just head over to the website some very very cool stuff from our writers over there Jordan, Mark and Maria go and check those out and head over to YouTube for some fun geekery action from my co-host to go and check out his channel The Geek's Handbag that's it yeah can have a look lots of vids on there and I'm on all the socials of course of course Chang. Chatting yeah. who, yeah, love the socials. Facebook, Twitter, Insta. Yes, he's on there but on not, the same name, The Geek's Handbag. But not uh, TikTok. Not TikTok, yet, just no, yet. I no, I haven't got given into that. No. Not yet. No. <laughs> yeah, so go and check out Adam's stuff. Grab yourself a drink, get comfy. Loads of cool geekery videos over there. Uh, right, until next week for 281, take care of yourselves. And as always, my name's been Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Hey, hey. 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 <laughs>